Silicon Valley is world-renowned for its startup culture. That's why so many electric car startups are located in the Bay Area, but not all of them. Now we're seeing a migration to the Motor City. Have you heard of Bollinger Motors, Bordron, or Quadrobot? On this week's show, learn why they decided to locate in Detroit. Underwriting for the production of AutoLine this week has been provided by RSM. Prepare for challenges specific to your business by working with trusted advisors who help turn obstacles into opportunities. Experience the power of being understood. RSM, audit, tax, and consulting for the middle market. And now, here's your host, John McElroy. I want to thank you all for joining us on AutoLine this week. Silicon Valley is known for all the EV startups that are going on there, but we're starting to see a bit of a migration to the Motor City. Rivian, of course, has gotten a lot of headlines, but on today's show, we've got three EV startups located in the greater Detroit area that maybe you haven't heard of, and that includes a company called Quadrobot, and we've got Joe Buick from that company today. Robert Bollinger has got his own company called Bollinger Motors, and Jerry Levine is with a company called Bordron. I want to thank all three of you for coming on the show today. Uh, Joe, and by the way, Joe Buick, I mean, come on, it doesn't get any more automotive than that. And you're related to David Dunbar Buick, who launched the Buick Motor Company. That is right. Three generations ago, you know, he, he passed in 1929, so it really wasn't that long ago. Um, Great-great-grandfather's uncle. Um, in fact, my cousin David Dunbar Buick, who lives in Detroit, as I do, he was invited uh, when General Motors had their 100th anniversary a few years back to celebrate that with them. So... Yeah, it's great. All but in the family. I love just, it. It's just a name now, though, yeah. because uh, <laughs> I'm not a trust fund baby. Okay. <laughs> so, real quick, what's Quadrobot? What do you guys do? Sure. I mean, Quadrobot, the way I describe it is it's a mobility platform. And I think different maybe than the other guests today, it is, uh, it's a low-speed delivery vehicle um, with maximum capacity. Our first market will be in China. It's completely electric. Um, and we, we're a U.S.-based company in Madison Heights. We're looking also in the city of Detroit, but um, we are a startup with a mobility platform that is a, it's a social product, we think, similar to an iPhone. I can, t- I can talk more about that, but it's designed to deliver packages and collect packages, and we have orders in China from the Postal Service now. Real good, and we'll get into more details good. on that, but Robert Bollinger, let's turn to you, and why don't you let the audience know what you're working on? Sure, so uh, Bollinger Motors, we're located in Ferndale right now, but looking to move into uh, the city of Detroit. We have the two-door B1 prototype that you see on our website, and we've had out there in testing and done a lot of stuff with. Right now, we're building a four-door version and a four-door pickup version, which we'll be debuting towards the end of this summer. Oh. All electric, all-wheel drive, all aluminum, Class 3 truck. So you, you, as the show airs, you're just about to be coming out with this? Uh, just about is a stretch, okay. a little bit, <laughs> just about and then some. But uh, yeah, very soon. Yeah. Well, good. Jerry Levine, uh, what's Bordron? So Bordron is a Chinese new energy vehicle OEM. We've um, shown our first two vehicles, the IV6 and IV7, at the Shanghai Auto Show this year. The IV6, the first vehicle we launched in China in um, the first quarter of next year. 
very interesting. We'll get into more details on that, but uh, you're all three startups. Why would you get into the automotive industry right now? I mean, everything that you read and hear about is great turmoil coming, uh, upheaval coming. Why get into the industry now? I, I can speak for Quadrobot in that um, our CEO, Mike Wong, who's originally from China, um, was educated at uh, CCS, College for Creative Studies. In fact, um, in Detroit. In Detroit. And one of our board members, John Manugian, who I think you know from prior shows, he is uh, you know, very involved in the company as well. Um, Detroit is uh, it's a brand that we embrace. I mean, it's, it's uh, something that we want to do, being it's the Motor City. But uh, Quadrobot is, is unique, and in the design, if you've seen it, is, is very unique. We think it fits very well in contrast to the older city. And it, uh, so we're excited to be part of Detroit. And, and uh, Robert, why did you decide it's time to start up an electric vehicle company? Uh, well, it was always a dream to have a car company, so it, was, it came from you know 40 years ago kind of thing. So I uh, just started it four years ago in upstate New York, and then we moved here last year, but to be near all the engineering and all the supply chain and all the talent. So uh, it was a great move for us to do, and basically it was uh, was able to start it four years ago after you know careers in other categories, if you will, but uh, just always wanted to do it. And uh, when it came together, the electric, the truck, everything we wanted to bring together in one package, it's like, you know, we all love it and we put it out there and we got a great following, so. There's nothing else out there like it. Yeah, nothing else is, uh, yeah, the only class three electric truck, you know, has, uh, you know, old school styling and, you know, kind of like trying to be anti-EV. It's more about being the truck, hands-on truck, off-road truck, road, you know, road legal, of course, too but uh, just a ton of uh, capability off-road, capability for storage, for fun, customization. So yeah, we're trying to make something completely different than anyone we think will make in the future. So back when we started, it was just like, okay, when everything goes electric, how do we still stay unique? So we created our own thing, and we think it'll always be its own thing. Mm -hmm. so. Jerry, you know, why another Chinese startup in electric vehicle? Man, there's so many vehicles out there and so many companies in China. Yeah, rumor is there's over 460 Chinese new energy vehicle companies, right? So, I mean, what makes Bordren different, I think, is really of the 468, very few have the cap engineering capability that we have. The team's very, um, has a lot of engineering depth. We have the complete capability to do our own powertrain development, chassis development, and body development. And then by trying to integrate those things and hire people that were typically in the supply base and bring them into the OEM and then leverage the team we have here in Detroit that's really experienced and knows the global best practices and the team in China that has a lot of the local market expertise and can help keep it affordable, Bordron will differentiate itself really from the competition. Well, let's go into that more. Why would Bordron, a Chinese company, set up operations in the U.S. and Detroit specifically? Yeah, it really comes down to the access to talent. Right. I mean, the people that are here in Detroit, our typical employee has probably 15 to 20 years of experience. They've worked for a global OEM, probably also one or two global tier ones. They've launched vehicles all around the world. And then there's also the thought that you need competing, competing engineering teams, right, and design teams. There's a benefit to having a team in North America and a team in Asia because there's, you know, they can push each other, new, new ideas, better ideas, peer reviews, different experiences, and try to leverage and integrate the best of both. Mm -hmm. Joe, you mentioned uh, Mike Wang is from China originally. Yes. Do, do you have Chinese connections beyond just him? Yes. Uh, in fact, we have you know employees, engineering, and uh, product development in China, even though the majority of our design and engineering will be coming from the West. 
Um, I believe that that is a big part of why we're in China is not only the relationships that we have there, some of the business contacts, but the fact that the, the market for delivery and last mile is huge. It's, um, I think they're saying by 2020, this is a Bloomberg report, that there could be over 100 billion units, packages, delivered in China. Delivered autonomously? Yes, Deli just delivered. Oh, just delivered. And so that's a, that's a market that we want to be a part of. And it's antiquated. It's, uh, it's not green. And the Chinese government, as you know, is really pushing this, uh, the, the, the green uh, vehicle and the electric and, the, and the, I think the fuel cell, too. But uh, in this case, we feel as though that uh, it's a great market for us. Yeah, and same question uh, that I posed to Jerry, why here and in China? Why not just put it all in China? It's important for us to be um, a Michigan, Detroit, you know, area brand um, for Mike. And uh, he tells a story sometimes about Detroit since he was educated there. He's been in the United States for 10 years that uh, how he remembers Detroit is, uh, you know, the, the, the sewer steam coming out. And, uh, you know, it's something that it stuck with him and, and it's, it's a visual that um, it's, it's, it's gritty, um, but I agree, the talent part of it is a big part of it, too. So with the engineering, there, there's, just, there's a lot of uh, exposure in, the, in Detroit still, and that's, he wants to be a part of that, and, and I'm glad to be a part of it as well. Mm -hmm. Jerry, why'd you locate here from upstate New York? Robert. There are a lot of upstate New York people in the Detroit area. But uh, both of your brands are manufacturing in China. So you're here for engineering. So The vehicles that we'll sell in China will be manufactured there, but the ones that we're going to be selling in the U.S., which is our secondary market, be our second market, will be manufactured okay, here in good. Madison Heights. That's good to know. So, um, well, sorry, what was the question? Yeah, the question is, why here? Yeah, you started in upstate New York. Yeah, so we were in upstate New York. We had a few engineers there who were still with us, uh, Carl and CJ specifically, um, really employee one and two. So uh, they really made the truck, basically, and, as, and we added on from there. So I was trying to uh, recruit engineers to come to upstate New York, and they just wouldn't budge. So you know, they, we were a startup, we're an unknown startup, and um, we're not in the Detroit area. I think a lot of people you know, who have been here for many generations that you want to tap into want to stay here, and so you come here. So um, that was the biggest thing. Also, I was flying out here every other week to meet with vendors. So I was just like, why don't I just stay here? It's easier for me to move. And then I convinced CJ and Carl, too, also. And then Mark, who's our brand director, he, uh, he came along, too. So, um, and then we've hired 20-plus people since we moved here, just in the past four or five months. So. You're all talking about moving to the Detroit area because of the talent that's here. But every company I talk to in this business says, man, we're struggling to get the talent that we need. How are you guys finding it? We've grown from 40 people to about 85 in the past year. We want to grow another 20 this year, and it's going to be a struggle. So I think we, we had that initial big growth spurt. And then now really to find the key people that we need, it's become more difficult. We have not had a problem. Now, we don't have the number of employees that you do yet, but um, we've, we've been able to strategically make some hires that, that are going to be good for the company in terms of development. And we also have some key people on our board, being that we're a startup, that are, they have experience as well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. For us, I think we found people who are not wanting to do the same thing at one of the bigger companies for the rest of their life. Like, I'm always going to be working on, you know, you know the, the middle console forever kind of thing. So I think we are finding great people because they just want to be part of the whole product and have a, a chance to work on many different aspects of the truck and to be part of a smaller team. 
So I think we kind of get the rebels or the the the, the weirder people, mm. you know, in a good way. I don't know how that came across, but you know what yeah. I mean. I, I know what you mean, exactly. In a good way. You want more of the creative types yeah, that exactly. aren't going to be, you know, pigeonholed into doing the same thing. Exactly. Yeah, the, the line I always heard was people having to design taillight bezels or hubcaps. Right. So right. you don't want to do that the rest of your right. career. Right, and so everyone on our team is basically able to do just about anything on it. And we, we're moving around a lot of times, and when one thing is done, it's like, okay, now you're on this, and it has to be done by the day after tomorrow. So it's constantly like that. And then we have peer reviews and all that kind of stuff internally. So um, the other thing, too, is that when we were in upstate New York, I don't know how you find this, but when we were upstate New York trying to work with some people elsewhere, it's very difficult. And actually, we were using one engineering firm that used a lot of um, engineering help back in China, and it just did not work. Mm. So um, I'm not a fan of having a lot of people in different offices. I think that's actually, you know, can be troublesome. Mm -hmm. But if you can make it work, you know, I'd love to know how that happens, but it's it's to have everyone in one building in one spot has really been great for us. So, yeah. So we've been able to make it work with the two different locations, but we had had a third location, and the third it just seemed to not work. Yeah. So, and then even with the two, though, we have to typically have kind of like clear roles and responsibilities. What's the handoff? We have people that travel back and forth quite a bit, also, and but we've also gone after the same type of people, the rebels that they want to be able to do everything and anything, but also ones that are really hands-on. Yeah. You know, John, you're at our facility, half of it's a shop and half of it's an office, right? If you don't want to get dirty, it's not the right place to come. And if you want to say, that's not my job, it's also not the right place, right? No, you, you hit the nail on the head. That's what impressed me about your operation is, yeah, you got engineering offices and the like. You got a shop, though, where you can start making shop. things, yeah. right? Joe, same with you guys? Yeah, I think one of the advantages we're going to have when we're ramping up for manufacturing in the next 18 months in the U.S. is that we will not need to hire as many people as a conventional auto company because it's uh, what we call Lego construction. There's no welding. There's no stamping. It's composite material. Um, so we will have... Uh, I would say 25% of the workforce you normally would have to, to develop a car. So you literally designed labor out of the product. Yes, and some of the people in economic development don't like to hear that, but it's really, um, it's, it's, a, it's a disruption in the manufacturing, and it's, it's a different type of a vehicle. It's not a, it's our first uh, vehicle that we're making is a, is a delivery vehicle. It's not a passenger vehicle. So um, I think it's, uh, people will be surprised how many units we can kick out of 30,000 square feet compared to other companies. Yeah. That's an advantage, I think. Yeah, that, that might have a couple of million square feet. Right. Um, so did you all ever consider, your companies ever consider going to Silicon Valley or the Bay Area over, say, coming here or, or someplace else? I lived in L.A. for three weeks and I couldn't stand it, so no. <laughs> <laughs> Never really considered it. Yeah. You could probably find some weird employees out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some yeah. money, maybe, for investors, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's... Uh, I like the East Coast. Um, been in New York for 25 years, and now here. So originally from Pittsburgh, so Midwest and East Coast is, I think, where people know how to how to work better it's than it's also West the infrastructure, Coast. So though, throw right? it out there. I mean, like for us, you have the American Center for Mobility, you have M City, you have all the Tier One suppliers, show car builders, tooling the university vendors, university talent. Yeah. yeah, pulling from the universities, interns. I think we have 10 interns this summer from like the local universities. Yeah. So it's the access to all those. All those things that really make the ecosystem work for us, right? And Tesla engineered here, and then started manufacturing. The, the structure so, of the bodies, yeah. So uh, everything, the model start, was, everything started, started here. here. So That's right. I think once you're set up and you have you know billions and billions of dollars that you are spending on your company from investors week after week, and you set up your own engineering 
you know, in-house there, then you can get to a certain point. But for, I think to start off, you basically have to be in Detroit. Mm -hmm. Jerry, what, what would you tell other people that want to do a startup? What, what kind of advice would you give them? Take a deep breath, right? <laughs> really think, are you really prepared for the challenges that it's going to be, right? You need to get the people, you need the investment, you need the clarity in what your mission is and your vision because it's difficult. It's hard to get suppliers on board when you don't have other business that you've awarded them before. It's hard to get those first couple employees because they really need to share a vision with you. And there's going to be a lot of ups and downs. So make sure that they're tough and they can handle it. Yeah, Joe, what, what would you tell people who want to get into this business? Well, I actually have a day job, too. I'm, a, I'm the vice chairman of the board and, and uh, very involved in the development of the company. But um, I, I think that it's important to, to have a vision, and that's one thing I feel good about with Quadrobot. The, the CEO I mentioned, Mike Wong, he, he had a vision, and he's, um, he's a leader, and it's, it's, it's easy to follow him. And uh, without that, and he, we have a lot of people in the company. It's a design-heavy company, right, from CCS. Um, they could be working for any automotive company in the world. I'm confident of that. Matter of fact, Mike came, he was a designer on the Viper. Um, and he was educated, as I said, at CCS. But he's, he's doing it because of his passion. He wants to make a social impact, which I think is great, you know, and I think it fits into, into this, what you were talking before about the type of people that you're looking for, right, to make a difference. So I'm excited about that in terms of the, the vision. I think that's the most important thing. Um, that's, that's my point. Mm -hmm. Robert, you, you got advice for? Yeah, I agree with all of that. And, the, and a big thing, too, is not to not be afraid of completely changing what you think you were going to do. So um, there's the vision. There's a vision of our truck and what we wanted to do. And the, uh, the people that come on board want to be part of that. But how you get to production or how you get there can just blow up in your face at any time. Mm -hmm. So you have to be able to just stop, take a breath, and readjust and figure it out. So you're constantly changing everything you ever thought almost on a daily basis or on a weekly, whatever. But then that's where the vision comes in because you could just start talking to certain people and be led down this way. Certain vendors will take you down a very expensive path that's completely wrong for you. Mm. So you have to just have a really strong gut instinct before it even gets to your brain. You go, wait, this doesn't, I'm not, you know, and then you go back and look at the numbers and you verify that your gut was right. So I think a good gut instincts. And also, at a company our size, it's great to just throw it out to the, to the whole team and get everybody together. So um, I hope that's what I've fostered there, is that people can say anything they want. They're like, this isn't quite the right thing, or why are we talking to them? Joe, you so. see it the same way? Yeah, I do. And I saw Jerry nodding his head at the same time. Yeah, well, I was going true. to him next. <laughs> yeah, at, uh, and, and you mentioned the vendors. Um, we were at the auto show this year on the first floor, and um, we, we had a lot of attention from, from vendors and, and engineers, and um, it was easy to start talking to them about some of their, their ideas and products, but you're right. I think you have to, you have to be careful there. Um, you, should, you could waste some time. Um, and then we, you know, we also have some people in China, and you have to kind of manage that too. Um, so I would totally agree with that comment. Yeah, Jerry? I, I agree, right? I mean, it's just, it's amazing the things that could derail you, and then you just either have to use your gut instinct or you got, you're going to go down the path and very quickly be able to cut yourself off and change directions because our directions change many times, and I keep telling everybody, it's going to change again, right? Just stay focused on the long-term plan and the long-term expectation, and we'll get there. But how we're going to get there, we don't really know. Yeah, and then as a startup, uh, Tier 1 and other suppliers don't care if you're a startup. If, if they are used to charging a million dollars a month 
to Norwegian, they're going to give you that same pricing because why else would they bother working with you? And they might actually give you a higher price because you're going to be more trouble because <clears throat> you're learning the way, right? But that's what we've so, learned. We've got, we have to be able to say, we're going to do it ourselves then. Yeah, exactly. So when you go to the exactly. typical tier one and they come back with something already, just, okay, we'll do it on our own. Right. And, do it enough on your own, and then you can go to exactly. a couple of them. How do you know where to draw the line between, hey, we got to change, and not just be throwing a bunch of work out the window that you already worked on? How, how, how do you make that that decision? I think it is gut feel, yeah. right? And it's having the right leader, right, the, the right leader in the, for the team and for the company, and your gut, you know, yeah. your gut feel and experience. And like Robert said too, having a team of people that aren't afraid to speak up, right? And to yeah, yeah, because everyone's hired for what they know that I don't know. So, you know, there's there's dozens of people at my company who know better than I do about just about everything. So I need them to speak up, right? Because, you know, my thing is to react to what they're telling me, but I may not even know there's a problem. You know, they, so everyone needs to come to me. Okay, so <laughs> so getting a bunch of input and, and your small companies, which allows that, and they're working on entire vehicles, not just one little part of it. But uh, how do you know uh, What's good that's going on? I mean, we've, we talked about some of the pitfalls. What would you say are some of the pluses that you might even want to share with other startups to emphasize that part of the business? I think the big thing is we don't have any legacy constraints. We can do what's right, right? I mean, our product, what's the right thing for the customer? What provides the biggest value? We don't have an existing bill of process or plan or capital equipment that we're forced to go down. We don't have an incumbent supplier that we have to source. So what's the right thing for the customer and the product? That's what decides what you do. Yeah, for us in upstate New York, especially because we're away from the entire industry, basically six or seven of us de designed and created this truck just out of what we wanted. So we didn't have to answer to anybody. It was just exactly what we wanted to do. So when we had a reveal, it was just like, is anybody going to like this? You know, it was just like a big, chancy thing, and then we got a great response. But I think that great response came out of the fact that we knew what we were doing, we knew what we wanted to put in there, and we made something, we just made something cool rather than you know, talk to too many people. or We didn't do any market research. We just went with our gut with what we wanted to drive ourselves. So You know, I, I like that because I would say some of the most successful cars in the history of the auto industry have been that. It's been one person or a very small team's vision of what they wanted to do. Now, if you're going to do mass market vehicles, it, it's harder to go that route because the gamble is so big, the investment is so large. Right. But if you're going to go in in, in a niche like you're doing right now, doing it the way you're doing it, I right. think, is what uh, helps set startups apart from all the well-established car companies. Yeah, and we want to stay niche. We don't want to. We don't want to answer to too many people. So uh, only our customers. So Mark is in charge of uh, responding to everyone who responds in our social media, emails, all that kind of stuff, and Chet, our sales director. And so we respond to everything. So those are the people we're listening to mm -hmm. with suggestions and, and what we're going to do. So um, they're the ones who fell in love with the truck day one, and that's great for us. So. Yeah, Joe, what do you see as some of the positives on, you know, we talked about sure. some of the challenges of being a startup. What are right. some of the positives? Well, for us, for Quadrobot, <clears throat> what makes me comfortable, one of the things at least is the, the market. I mentioned this earlier, is that uh, it's, it's, such a, it's such a great entry point for us for a startup vehicle company. <clears throat> Excuse me, is having uh, is having this explosive e-commerce situation going on, not only in China but now in the United States. Of course, there's many people now getting into this space too, but we're, we feel we feel good about that, and and we're going to have to make some changes along the way, as my counterpart said here too. So, 
um, it's exciting. It, it really is. And um, for me, it's, it's given me an opportunity to meet so many good people, um, both potential investors, vendors, um, clientele, just people in the industry. It was, it was a joy to be part of the auto show this year. So it's, 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 that's a positive for me. How hard is it to get suppliers and investors and, and the like? It, it, what sells them? Is it the vision? Is it hands-on demonstration of the product or what? For investors, it's the ability to make money. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so that's but, got, but they got to be able that's to see be that they can make money. Right. So I, uh, I think a lot of our suppliers and investors have fallen in love with the truck first, and that got their attention, and then we can start talking to them, and then we can show that it's, you know, we have the whole plan and it's going to work, then that shores them up. But yeah, I think it's always about um, what you want to put your attention to. And if it's something like our truck, um, I think that's where it, the starting point. But uh, I think it's um, suppliers, even even with suppliers, I think that was the case too. It's again, where, can they make money? Mm -hmm. will, will we buy stuff from them and continue to buy stuff from them? So we have to prove that, of course. But a, a, a lot of it just comes from people who like what we're doing. Mm -hmm. I think that's a step one. You know? For us, with the, getting the suppliers on board was differentiating ourselves from the other 460 NEV companies. <laughs> and we've done that by showing that we're really engineering-led. Right? Our CEO, Ming Wong, was also educated here in the United States. He worked at Ford. He worked at General Motors. He's an engineer. 70% of our resources are dedicated to product development. So we're a very product-heavy company. And they feel when they learn about the product and we show them you know, everything that we're doing, they feel more comfortable with it, that it has a viable business case. And they'll be able to sell you know, the parts to us that we need. You probably... I don't know if it was in your mouth, but was it an advantage to have so many people in the business in China first to, and then bring it here? Is that, is that right the, or the no? The team started in both locations at the same time. Okay, okay. Yeah, so the team, the company, one of the things that also makes this unique is its history actually goes back over 10 years doing engineering services work. So the team's been together for a long time doing platform development, chassis great. development, and body development work. And then it kind of evolved from that now to be an NEV company. Oh, great. Mm -hmm. Joe, we're down to the end real quick. Uh, is it easier to get suppliers, do you think, because so many other startups have come before, like Tesla and others? Yes, I, I, I think so, especially um, in the tech space. Mm -hmm. um, I was shocked at how many, how many companies that we had approach us, and they're, they're ready to be autonomous, right? They've got, the, they've got the technology now. Now, the roads aren't ready for it yet, so uh, it, it's going to be exciting. We're going to have a lot of options with our vendors on the tech side. Real good. I'm afraid with that we're going to have to wrap this show up, but I want to thank you all for coming in here today. Joe Buick with Quadrobot, Robert Bollinger with Bollinger Motors, and Jerry Levine with Bordron. Very interesting, and uh, I can't wait to see how you guys progress. Thanks a lot. Thank, thank you very much. much. Underwriting for the production of Autoline this week has been provided by RSM. challenges specific to your business by working with trusted advisors who help turn obstacles into opportunities. Experience the power of being understood. RSM, audit, tax and consulting for the middle market.